welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, and good evening, or good morning, or good afternoon, depending on when you're listening, because after all, it's your podcast. Now, joining me today, this is um, it's a, it's a work-in-progress show, because uh, joining me today is a lady by the name of Karen Rubens, who is going to be bringing to us... Um, Comic Turns, which is an interesting take on a mixture between card games, storytelling, and uh, comics, basically. So, um, hello, Karen. Hello. Hello. Thank you for jo- thank you for joining us. Thank you for. You're welcome. Um, kind of uh, delighted you've come on because you. I put a post up on I think on the UK Facebook group for tabletop Kickstarters, and you said, "Oh, hello." Can we talk? So, there we go. So, it's all going to come from there. Um, The reason that we do this is quite simply because we don't think there's enough podcasts out there about board games and tabletop. Uh, So, there's us and there's Unlucky Frog Gaming, who we have actually spoken to and had on the show. And there's also the first player token as well, which we still haven't spoken to. And the second reason that we're doing this is because uh, we like to speak to creators about their about their Kickstarters. And uh, so there was, you know, when had um, when Karen contacted me, yes, I jumped at the chance to have her on the show so she can explain a little bit about her project. And also, we want to find out a little bit about her good self as well. So, um, yeah. So are you well, Karen? How's how's things at the moment? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm in the uh, pre-Kickstarter panic mode. <laughs> um, launching on Wednesday, so that's all the kind of uh, is that like next? frantically doing things and then needing to fall asleep. Is that like doing something, doing it slightly, being utterly convinced that's the way you're doing it? turn away from it for half an hour, going back to it, completely scrapping it and starting again, kind of panic thing. No, it hasn't quite got to that stage, except except with the image for the Kickstarter, which every time I change it, I look at it and think, I'm going to change that again. <laughs> it's like perfectionism. How many, how many times um, have you changed it now? I made about four final versions before I put one up. All right. um, and now it's up, I want to change it. <laughs> you so, just got to leave it alone, though. I probably will leave it alone, because I know what I'm like with things like that, that I have to get to a point where I just stop fiddling with it and leave it. Because <laughs> um, no one notices. You're the only person that notices. Yeah, but... Everyone else is like, it's fine. But if you don't make it so you're happy with it, then you'll get halfway through the campaign and you'll just say, like... There's only one thing to do is to completely shut down the campaign and start again at a later date if I'm not happy with my, with my, <laughs> with my image that I've done. I don't think I'm at that point. <laughs> I haven't quite reached those levels of um, deranged uh, kind of changing things yet. Don't don't worry, there's, t- um, there's time. Yeah, there's still time, yeah. There's still plenty of time. Um, one of the things we like to do on We're Not Wizards is we like to find out a little bit, um, a little bit of history Um about our guests on the show because we like to have a little I guess a I guess a little peek back into the prologue of the past before we have a look into the frame of the present before we dash off in the to be continued of the future 
So I'd like to find out a little bit about your kind of your kind of your history. You mean what's kind of inspired the project? I mean, and your relationship with kind of like tabletop games, card games, and things like that as well. I mean, are you are you quite an, are you an avid player yourself? You know, what should can be kind of your background? I do play games, um, tabletop games, quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'd call myself avid. I'm quite an avid role player. I do a lot of role playing games. All right, um, okay. Tabletop and online and all kinds of things. Um, and I play board games with some friends. We do that quite often. Yeah. Um, try out new things. Bring out old favourites. What was the first kind of game, kind of role playing stuff that you were playing? Were you like a Dungeons and Dragons type person, or were you kind of into other things? I think the first role playing game I did was on Yahoo Chat. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> back in the day when there was like uh, so there was like role playing rooms, and so you could go on with your screen name and just make up your character and go in there and just sort of freeform role play with things. Yeah. Um, and it was only after that that I got into doing tabletop. Yeah. And the first game I played. Um, you know, pencil and paper role play was Vampire the Masquerade. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And that's still my favourite kind of one of those games to play. Um, play it with my partner a lot. We do play Vampire quite often. All right, okay. Do you yeah. do you ever kind of get the notion to kind of maybe dress up? You know, um, put on the pale, the dark costumes and the pale kind of makeup and. Well, in my youth, I did sometimes dress up a little bit in a kind of slightly gothic way <laughs> okay one might say okay um yeah so i'm a kind of an ex ex of the dressing up box are you kind of recovered <laughs> yeah i'm pretty much recovered <laughs> although i'm very tempted by the idea of larping all right I haven't, haven't plucked up the courage to do any of that yet no what kind of stuff? No. What kind of stuff would you do in the in the LARPing thing? Would that be? I don't know anything. I just kind of like the idea of just dressing up and going to the woods of being a character. I'm pretty sure um, I've I'm pretty sure I've heard of people kind of um, doing vampire masquerade, but actually dressing up as kind of like the whole vampire thing and kind of maybe, you know, acting it out a bit more. Um, yeah, they did do a, a LARP version of Vampire the Masquerade, and I can't remember what it's called. Something like. Um, Theatre of Blood or yeah. that? something like that. Yeah. And it had cards. You had to use cards to resolve conflicts and things. Yeah. But I've never played it. I don't um, I don't know if Tracy from Chaos Cards was going about that. I think she maybe took part in the kind of the vampire masquerade type thing. Um we'll need to check. We'll need to kind of find out. Um did that so you stay so were you kinda of constantly kind of on and off kinda of playing the role playing games then? Was that kind of your bag over kind of bringing the kind of the cardboard to the table? Um, it's not so much on and off doing role play as kind of constantly doing it forever. <laughs> um, but the the card the uh, sort of tabletop board gaming um, probably started getting into have everybody's gateway drug, which was Carcassonne. Yeah. Um, played that and then got into other kind of what I like to call nerdy games but in a very respectful way um <laughs> the other kinds of tabletop games and um we play various ones 
like uh, Alien Frontiers and things like that. All right, okay. Not like super super heavy ones. Yeah, just like not your heavy euros, but something you could kind of like put to the table. Everybody could have a quick time, and you weren't spending like not like a Twilight Imperium type setup where you were there for a good kind of like day and a half, kind of playing the whole game. Yeah, I think the longest one I played was um, Arkham Horror, and oh yeah, we ended up playing a game of that for hours and hours and then didn't finish it and had to leave it mm-hmm. and then never wanted to go back and finish playing it so it just kind of went away <laughs> we're just like should we try and play that again and finish it off <laughs> just, no let's just not do that let's just leave it leave it in the cupboard where we left it or if you just if you can't finish it in an evening then it's too long as far as I'm concerned. I think you kind of need to be um, dedicated at these things. You do get some people that play, like, as I say, Twilight Imperium, but there's also games like Eclipse, which are like 11-hour kind of games, and it's like, I can't I can't imagine not getting bored and just kind of, like, walking away from the table and then going down the hall and then grabbing my jacket and just going out the front door and just keeping on going, because that being that committed to a game is just... just uh, yeah, it's just maybe I I've got very kind of low low attention span sometimes, <laughs> so the thought of having that length of comp- concentration and then kind of applying that and uh, for any length of time is just I think it's a little bit kind of um, kind of alien to me. It's almost like having a job, isn't it? Like if you yeah, had to spend that long, yeah, in a game, yeah, it's kind of like that, and then you feel you'd be looking forward to lunch hour, and then you're kind of. Yeah, and it's like, I suppose there's some people that love it. I know that um, a couple of folks we've spoken to before, I mean, I think Frank West, he loves Eclipse, um, you know, with every fibre of his being and, and, and just, you know, I think they're releasing a new edition and he can't wait to play it again. I hear a lot of people kind of that own Twilight Imperium, though, but when you ask them if they've played it, they're like, well, you know, not yet. I've just got to wait to get the right day and the right number of people as well. Because it's not just you. It's like asking about three or four other people to commit to giving you like half a day of their lives. Which I don't know how many folk would be like that. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the great things about how gaming has expanded, though, is that there's so much room for so many different types of games. Yeah. Um, From like the kind of party games that you can kind of get anyone to play to these kind of really intense um, strategy games and all kinds of things. So it, it covers so many different things. It's really fun. But, um, you're a you're a, you're a comic artist type designer person as well. Yes, that's right. How long have you been doing that and how did you kind of get into that then? Um, I've been doing comics for quite a long time since about 2000 so I guess that's 17 18 years see I was, um, I was looking at that I was looking at your Kickstarter page and you said you've been doing comics since the turn of the century and I was like yeah she's almost 120 <laughs> not that century <laughs> exactly that's what I was like that then I realized that then I went oh no it's year 2000 and I went okay and then I was like but that's still like 17, 18 years. I'm still in that mindset when somebody says it's like, you know, when somebody says it's 2000, I'm thinking, oh yeah, eight years ago, yeah, that's fine. You know? I know, I don't even. It's just. And it's the same in 1990 as well. Somebody says, oh, do you remember the 90s? It's like, yeah, but I remember them like they were, tw- remember them like they were 18 years ago. And then somebody says, nah, 28 years ago. 
That's like, funny, isn't it? That uh, there's like grown adults who were born after the year 2000. <laughs> that kind of freaks me out sometimes. <laughs> People that, yeah, that's kind of like, I can vote now. It's like, no, you can't. You're not allowed to. You youngsters, eh? You millennials. It's like... It's us. Uh, it's just... Without, we're just getting old. I'm just, yeah. I'm just... Um, I am. Because I'm looking at it, I'm going, I'm still young, I'm still young. Look at me, I'm down with the kids. And it's like, um, no, I've got... F- I'm friends with people I could technically be their parents. <laughs> that, I pl- yeah. that I play board <laughs> games with. <laughs> You know, it's not like that's not sitting there and going right. Okay, that's it. I'm going to take this resource, this resource, and then I'll tell you what. You can set up straight. You can sort out your jumper, and you better make sure you eat something healthy because I'm seeing you sitting there eating a fish supper. That's ridiculous. You eat something healthy and stop drinking too much juice. And then I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She just let you get on with your game. But um, how did you get into the con- kind of the comics? Was that something that kind of started off as a hobby and then became something that you did? Um, you got kind of more involved in. How did that kind of come about? Yeah, I mean, comics was something I was always really interested in um, as a kid, and I went to do art foundation course. Yeah. And an illustration degree, and whilst I was doing my degree. Um, I had a friend who had an older brother who had just finished uni and got a job right. in computer science and so therefore had loads of spare income and he bought loads and loads of comics. Yeah. So I started reading all these different comics and thinking, wow, I could actually make my own comics as part of this course. So I started making comics then whilst I was at uni uh-huh. and then just kept making them afterwards and at first it was on the side and then much much later um after many adventures <laughs> at one point i went um completely freelance and went self employed I, I want to hear which was about 4 years ago but you said adventures so what are these adventures you can't just say you know after many adventures and then just leave it and then move on <laughs> Um, what are the adventures? Yeah, what well, are the adventures? What are the adventures? Well, <laughs> um, whilst I was making comics, I was also um, a librarian. So I had all the fun of working my way up through the library ranks and becoming a librarian uh-huh. and making a graphic novel collection in the libraries um, and kind of getting my uh, bosses to give me money to spend on comic books and running comic book related events and things like that and I also at one point there was a vacancy for a comics art resident yeah. um, at the v and uh-huh. which I applied for and I got this residency and I was at the v for six months in a little studio and they were just like go and make work based on our collections and then do public engagement events, open studios, workshops and things like that. So that was quite a big adventure. That's amazing. Um, Lots of fun. (laughs) That's so cool. So were you able to, I mean, if we step back a bit, seeing the library stuff, did you kind of, were you able to, did you kind of target the mainstream kind of, because trade paperbacks seem to really kind of hit their stride, you know, um, 
I remember them being as in the nineties discovering kind of trade paperbacks and having collections of lots and lots of collections of Batman because I was Batman daft when I was young, um, mm. and I've recently became Batman daft again. But I thought you were going to say you recently <laughs> became Batman. I was going to say that's a, bit of a, a leap. Exactly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go about. I go up and I go up to old women, try to cross the street, and go, "Can I help you?" Um, <laughs> um, no, I just couldn't. I can't run that fast. I'm too old now. <laughs> the, the robbers would be heading down the road and be like, "I'm trying to keep up." That kind You'd of have thing. your bat, Jim. <laughs> I'd have to have a bat, Jim. I'd need like a bat, a bat kind of motorized, one of those motorized scooter things. Oh yeah. Nee. <laughs> I'm coming after you. Um, but did, I mean, obviously, are you, when you were doing the stuff in the library, did you, was there set kind of stuff that you were allowed to get in or were you kind of given free reign to kind of bring anything at all? And, I mean, was there, as a comic, you must, obviously as a comic fan, I mean, what kind of things were you into when you were, when you were kind of working in the library? Well, um, to a certain extent, I was given a free reign to get whatever I wanted. Yeah. But I had to justify why I was getting those things. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of make a plan of what percentage of different types of comics that I would get. Um, so a certain percentage of them would be things like superheroes and yeah. kind of genre fiction. Yeah. But then I tried to get in a lot of the kind of... Um, graphics lit stuff and the non-fiction stuff to try and mm -hmm. um, entice people from the kind of books with just words in yeah. to the books of the pictures and the words. All right, okay. And also lots of manga as well, um, because I like manga. Uh, and in terms of what I was into, or what kind of comics I am into, yeah. pretty much most things... So probably what I read the most are indie comics and manga, but I will also read um, graphic novels, non-fiction comics. Yeah. Um, kind of genre fiction, you know, like uh, fantasy, crime and that kind of thing. The thing that I don't really read that much is superheroes. Um, a superhero thing has to be pretty damn good before I will read it um, because I'm just kind of bored of superheroes. No offence. I used to like them when I was young, and I read a lot of them, um, but I'm not really into them so much now. No, I'm just a, no. I'm interested. I'm interested back into the the Batman stuff on the the Batman Metal series, where mm -hmm. what they've done is they're they're basically they said okay, all these multi universes. What they're doing instead is says, well, we've you've got like all these new multiple different universes. What happens if there was a negative universe instead? So they've kind of flipped it on their head. So I guess, <clears throat> I don't know, I guess the superhero comics have always got the problem that when you are have so many well-established characters, it's difficult for you to break away from the mould. Do you know what I mean? It's like you have to have Batman, but you have to have it's Batman's parents getting killed being the reason for him to become Batman is pretty much canon. The only way to break away from that and try and make him fresh is to the comics industry seems to reinvent the entire universe every couple of years to try and give them new stories and give them kind of new origin stories. I guess if you're going into more 
off the beaten or off the kind of the main the big mainstream track it allows you to explore all different types of kind of like stories as as well with it i mean with yeah because with with superhero comics you're working from someone else's creation yeah and that character has certain ways it has to be for the because it's like a corporate asset basically yeah and if you're given someone else's character that somebody countless people have written for for like decades what new things can you bring to the table yeah and because a lot of the writers have very short um lengths of time to make their mark on it you get these like extremely dramatic things happening and they're being reversed you know within like six issues because someone will go i want so and so to die i don't know let's say batman i'm gonna kill off batman yeah. And so the next person comes back and goes, oh, I'm going to bring Batman back from the dead and he's going to be zombie Batman. Someone else says, well, that went a bit too far, so I'm going to retcon that and just have him be normal Batman. Yeah. And it just goes on and on and on and nothing... Because they're corporate assets, they can't really have character development. So you can't really make a story as such. All you can do is produce a kind of soap opera-style thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a generalisation. There are some really no. good superhero comics. Yeah, yeah, of course there um, are. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I like the 2012 Hawkeye, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of it that is just kind of like recycling. And yeah, and I just don't find that interesting anymore. And I don't really like superhero movies anymore either. So I don't really watch those. Do you... Even though I feel like I should. I'm just like, oh, New Avengers come out. I don't care. Yeah, but do you not find that what you're doing is, like, if you look at, say, um, Civil War, yeah? Mm-hmm. If you look at the Civil War film, the Civil War film was, what, two, two and a bit hours long? But the Civil War comic was issues and issues and issues, and there was multiple issues branching off from the different characters, and they all had... So, it's a, you know, you're you're talking about taking, like, maybe potentially a 50 to 70 to 100 hour actual story and condensing it down into like two hours. And that's, you know, that's an almost an impossibility. So I can imagine, but I, I have, you know, I have a lot of friends who re- who do read comics and they say, well, I, you hear them again and again and again talking about um, the film treatment of comic stories. Um, I think the most recent one was, um, what's come out? The Runaways? I think is one that um, was it was it's I think it's the um, I was a it was on the recent one on a podcast I listened to they were talking about how it's been made into kind of like a TV series, but oh, they've right. co- okay. they've completely changed some of the way some of the characters work, um, and people are either thinking well this is good because I visualize it or they're thinking this is terrible because you've actually ripped out. A really, really good characters, some really, really good backstory, and I don't know if you've changed it. Maybe because if you just followed the comics, there wouldn't be any hidden surprises or you know spoilery stuff or anything like that. I guess sometimes you're forced to kind of maybe make changes in yeah. order to make it interesting, kind of thing. I mean, you know what I think about this aspect of culture is the comics are there; they are comics. Yeah. They don't need to be films, they don't need to be TV series. And when they become those things, they become a different thing entirely. Yeah. And people should read the comics and enjoy the comics. And they shouldn't be so obsessed with making them into 
um, film and TV. I find it very weird that a lot of comics um, creators are kind of, it's sort of seen that when your comic becomes a film, then you've sort of hit the big time, which is weird because the whole thing you should be wanting to do is make the comics and read the comics. So I find it quite a weird scenario that the comic's only worthwhile or mainstream or big if it's become a film. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally... Yeah, no, I totally see. And the other thing is as well is um, it's very difficult to get character development as well in a comic yeah, where you can have issues and issues and issues. And I know we're talking about kind of like, you know, in order to do something with Batman or Superman or whatever, you have to completely change it with the ability to retcon it later on. But again, you get character development over, you know, a 10 run or a 20 run of comics, a story, like little nuances that you miss out again in kind of like a, in kind of like a two hour film. But you mentioned that you're in kind of like the, the kind of the manga stuff. I mean, is there a, yeah. is there a reason you kind of, what kind of, I guess, kind of made you go, oh, this is, this is lovely, this is what I want. I can. What made you such a big fan of the kind of the manga stuff? Um, well, there's lots of things really about manga. I mean, first of all, I like the kind of range of stories that you can get in manga, which is huge, like fantasy, epic stuff, historical um, stories about girls in bands, all kinds of cool things. Um I like the art. Um, I find the art styles appealing. I find the way that manga sort of draws you in emotionally really appealing and the sort of pace of it. Um, and I like the, the way that the stories are, if they do become really epic and long, at least they're just by the same person writing them. Yeah. So you can develop, the author has control to a certain extent. Um, so you get stories that are much more coherent in manga, but still just as kind of epic and fantastical and full of interesting things. Is there less of the corporate machine behind the kind of the manga industry? No, there's, there's definitely a corporate machine there as well. Yeah. But it's a bit different. Uh-huh. Um, so in manga, if a manga gets popular, um, then the editors or the companies that publish the stories won't let the author stop making it, which can become a bit weird after a while. Yeah. Something like it's popular. You have to keep, keep writing it <laughs> ever and ever. Um, and then when it's not popular anymore, they'll just drop it. So they'll be like, keep you know, spin this bit of the story out or people like this character, bring them in more. Yeah. And then they'll be like, right, now wrap this plot line up. People aren't buying this as much. Yeah. yeah. So it can become very odd in terms of the way things are paced and how things resolve themselves. But then you also get some very good manga that is that hasn't been messed with by editors that's very self-contained and... Um, has really good plotting and storylines. Yeah. Because of some of the, the big ones, you know, the really popular ones, they clearly sort of make them. This is my speculation. 
but they make the author go on writing this thing when the author would rather just be huddled in the corner crying. <laughs> just um, one more panel, one more panel. Uh, Naruto springs to mind as an example of that. Yeah. Um, which there was a point where you just thought, he's just given up now. He just wants to go and cry in the corner and they're making him just keep going with the story. It's the little notes um, of, help me, let me go. <laughs> and every yeah, it's kind of in every the art style, sort of drawn in there. Please, <laughs> let me stop. Why is everybody crying? It? Why is every... No, I remember, um, oh, this will be years ago. I remember when Akira... Um, I first saw Akira because there oh, was yeah, a, Akira was amazing. There was um, <clears throat> there was actually, and this is this is this was this is how strange this is how different kind of I guess the UK, um, the UK is kind of now is that I remember there being um this company says we're going to start releasing Japanese manga and one of the first things they released was um, Akira, and it was just yeah. like, and I re- I got I remember having the. The DVD. I've got the. Um, I've actually got the Akira um, steelbook somewhere, and I, I must watch it again because it is absolutely fabulous. But then I remember kind of watching Akira continuously and continuously and saying, "This is amazing." But um, it was kind of like, yeah, it was like the Marvel film of its day, and I didn't realize it was the Marvel film of its day until I went into at that time. I think it was maybe a Forbidden Planet at that time. And they yeah. had the Akira manga, and it wasn't just one book. <laughs> I was looking at a shelf of Akira volumes of Akira, and what I didn't realize was that at the time it was telling the backstory of, you know, characters that you maybe see in the in the film for like about thirty or forty seconds, like uh, one of the. Um, who was? I mean, there's just characters all the way through that seem to have much more bigger kind of expanded plots, and I went, "This is this is strange. This is actually a, this is actually a thing." And it kind of that put me down that kind of rabbit hole for a bit. But um, I mean, is there stuff that you're reading at the at the? Mo- I mean, okay, what what's the kind of the what's the if you're talking about manga? If somebody says, "Okay, um, pick five manga that you can have on your shelf right now is there any any stories that you still love that you still you know really treasure that you've really enjoyed reading oh yeah um loads of them um at the moment i'm reading one which i really like but it's quite obscure um yeah. i'm not saying that sound cool um yeah, it's you called are. kaze hikaru <laughs> okay. and it's basically a historical manga about um samurai mm-hmm. But also, it's a girl's manga. So the protagonist is a is like a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. She joins this group of samurai, and she's pretending to be a man. And it's like a romantic comedy with sword fights, and the most amazing artwork and historical detail ever. It is just really, really good. And yet, you know, I have to go on Amazon and like search for the back numbers of it because it's not really available widely. Which is a shame, and they only translate one volume of it a year, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, which is bizarre. And I'm loving. Uh, there's a new manga that's just uh, last year they started to print it in English, which is called Golden Kamui, and it's about uh, a Japanese veteran and a little girl from an Ainu tribe, which are like the native people in Japan. Yeah, and they're looking for some hidden gold um, along with loads of other random people who are looking for the hidden gold 
the secret of which has been concealed in some tattoos of some prisoners that have all escaped from this high this like high security prison. Yeah. And they're all going round in um on this kind of weird crime adventure thing that's also got huge amounts of violence in it, like very graphically portrayed violence and loads of ridiculous slapstick comedy and loads of Ainu culture where the little girl's like, oh, come and try this dish from my tribe or this is how we catch bears <laughs> or this kind of object is a such and such a thing and we use it for this. Yeah. So you're reading it and you're like, I've got no idea what genre this is, but it's amazing. It's just like the sort of juxtaposition of all these kind of strange elements together makes it brilliant. Do do you um do you read any of the kind of like the get like your JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and stuff like that? Have you ever ventured into that path, or is that something you've kind of touched and then kind of left? Or I did try reading JoJo's Bizarre Adventure once, but it was too weird for me and I couldn't <laughs> handle it. I was just like, "Yep, this is definitely bizarre." <laughs> That's about as far as I got with that. I was just like. <laughs> just noped right on out of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure it's a bit too weird I, I mean with you I mean it sounds like you're into you, you might, I mean do you, do you ever jump jump into the kind of like the film stuff I mean are you I mean do you like the stuff like your Laputa or Spirited Away and stuff like that oh yeah 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 I love a bit of anime and yeah the Studio Ghibli things are great so yeah Spirited Away is one of my favourite films yep same here love it um, watch it, watch it on a regular. Just watch it on a regular basis, just to look at it and just go. So you started this film and you had absolutely no idea where it was going, because <laughs> that's the kind of I mean, that's the story that I've heard is that when um, Spirited Away was started, there wasn't really a proper. They had a kind of an idea of where it was going, but they really hadn't kind of gone to massive kind of storyboarding kind of depths on it. But um, no, I've always, <clears throat> I've always tried to get the, the kids have watched, um, um, they've watched watched Spirited Away, they've watched Laputa, um, they've watched Ponyo as well. Was always kind of like a big favourite. I tried to mix the kind of them watching, the Disney mm. stuff with the, the anime, the anime kind of stuff as well. So have you got a healthy, comic collection then? I mean, is it is it kind of like. Is it like what you would see in a normal kind of board game collection when you see a lot of people sitting in front of <laughs> the kind of their videos and they've just got shelves and shelves of kind of board games? Do you have shelves and shelves of comics? Yeah, I pretty much do. Although I don't buy all the comics I'd want to read. Yeah. So like when I worked in the library, for example, I just read a lot of comics in the library and didn't have to buy them. But since I stopped, yeah, it has grown quite a bit. Were you able just um, to sit? Were you able just to sit there and just read kind of comics? I'm okay. Okay, let's 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 ca yeah. let's caveat this, right? I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that librarians just sit around all day <laughs> reading books, yeah. Because the last thing you want to get is anger a librarian who's got access to the ability to probably give people a really good paper cut. But do, yeah. <laughs> You must have got a chance to kind of like sit down when it was quiet and just like, mm, I'll just go through this, I'll just go through that. Well, yeah, if you were like, um, for example, if you were on the counter and yeah. there weren't any customers around, but you had to stay there. Yeah. Then, yeah, you would read some books. Um, but also the good thing about libraries is you can borrow the books and take them home. So you don't have to read them at work. <laughs> <Exactly>. It's not <laughs> like I'm just reading it on my lunch break. It's like, I'm just going to take this out. 
Let me just take this out. Yeah, just take out the ones that, that you like. And in that way, I got to read a lot of books, not just comic books, but all sorts of things that I wouldn't normally have read because things would just catch your eye and you'd be like, yeah. oh, that looks interesting. Just take it home. Did, I mean, did you kind of have an open mind when you were reading kind of comics then? Did you, were you quite willing to just kind of jump in and try anything just to see what it was kind of like to see if it kind of grabbed you? Yeah, I pretty much would try any any comics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just like comics. If something's in a comic, yeah, then I'm way more likely to read it than if it was in any other kind of medium. So, like, if someone gave me a comic and it was a rom com, then I'd probably read it. Whereas there's no way I'd watch a film of a rom com or read a a chick lit book or something like that. But if it was in a comic, <laughs> I'd read it because it's a comic. So yeah, I mean, just the whole thing about reading comics is the experience of doing it is something that I really love. So I will just pretty much read any comics that I come across. I mean, although you have to be slightly more discerning when you're trying to choose which ones to take home with you if you have to buy them. But yeah, if I get the chance to read other people's comics or anything, then it's all good. Um, with. I mean, have you got a holy grail? Is there a, like a comic you'd like to own, or is there a comic that you have which you're like, "Yep, check this out"? Because I've, um, I've seen the, um, I've seen the first the the issue that Spider Man was introduced, which is something I think it was I can't remember if it was called Amazing Stories. I should remember it because I went ahead and I painted a mural of the cover of the first Spider Man comic on some on a client's wall. But cool, it is actually. It's exactly the same picture as the front cover of the first Batman one. It is basically Spider-Man swinging with a guy under his arm. <laughs> it oh, just no. looks exactly the same. There's no change to it whatsoever. Um, so I saw that and I was like, wow. And he says, well, how much is this worth? And he says, it's X amount of money. And it was kind of like, um, what do you call it? Slabbed. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's maybe the word. It's fixed between two bits of perspex, and they grade it. So they do the oh, worst. Okay. They do the worst thing you can to a comic book, which is they stick it in a protective shell, and you're not allowed Stop to read people it. Reading it. <laughs> yeah. you, you know would... what I used to do? This people cover comics. People are gonna hate this. Yeah. Whenever I got a comic that was in one of those mylar bags, I'd throw the bag away. Really? Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to read this to preserve it. I want to read it and experience it and enjoy and it. Sod the bag. I'm throwing it. It's in the way. It's getting in the bin. <laughs> So what I mean is there is there kind of like the <clears throat> is there like the Karen Rubens arc of the Covenant kind of thing where you would go oh oh look that's amazing oh is there one of those comics and if there is do you have it? Um, I don't know. Probably not actually. Um, I prefer thinking of them as things to read rather than sort of fetishising them as objects. All right, okay. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but if there had to be one, it would probably be um, the original Elf Quest books, which I was really into Elf Quest when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And I've got some of the old Elf Quest books. Yeah. Uh, so they're probably my biggest fetish of comics I own would be them. Like if there was something I was going to take out and stroke, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're in the V&A, which must have been brilliant. You must have skipped to work every day. 
<laughs> big smile on your face. It's like, where are you going, Karen? It's Monday morning. I'm off to work. Yay! Yeah, it was pretty good, actually. It was a bit like being in a kind of a dream world. You're just like, wow, am I really here? This is cool. <laughs> um, so that was great. And did you end up having, was it almost like having a comic collection away from home? <laughs> kind of thing. Well, there was, a, there was a comics library there, and I did go there and read um, graphic novels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't spend all the time in there reading graphic novels because I wanted to experience everything. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time just wandering around looking at stuff. Um, were you, were you, and there were you, was a... Sorry, I was going to say, were you there yeah, long? Sorry. Were you there long? As... Um, I was there for six months. Wow. Um, which seems like a long time, but actually it went by really, really quickly. Um, it was very easy to get distracted by things. Yeah. And... I kind of felt at the end, like, where did all the time go? You know, I could have spent longer there, definitely. But it was it was really brilliant. So, I mean, where, how did you go around from... I take it, did the draw, has the drawing always been something you've been doing as well, alongside it? Have you always been kind of, like, sketching away at the same time? Yeah. And, and, and kind of, when did you get to the point where you're, like, thinking, actually, I can... I'm, can pretty much do this kind of full time I mean what made you um, what made you kind of decide um that actually let's let's try and make a let's try and make a go of this let's try and make an actual job out of this well it was obviously I was thinking about it for quite a while like I wonder if I went freelance could I make a career out of it blah 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 um but then the real sort of tipping point was when it got to the point in libraries where everyone was being made redundant and they'd basically every year they would have a round of making people redundant yeah. and making you do more work for less money which was like the thing that would happen every year and at one point it got to the stage where um the librarian job they were going to reduce the number of librarians and it was just going to be you're in an office and you weren't actually in the libraries and i thought i don't really want to do that just sitting in an office all day um so I decided to get made redundant instead. And then I had a little buffer zone of, you know, redundancy so that I could, if I didn't get any work, then I could survive for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was useful. Um, was that kind of like a bit of a scary, a scary time? Because you had to take something that was, I would have guessed something that you were doing for, for a bit of, you know, for enjoyment and fun and make it into like a semi-business? Well, in a way it was scary to sort of give up regular work. Yeah. But in another way, I've been doing um, comics workshops and kind of education stuff on the side for about six years by that point. Oh, right, So okay. I kind of knew that I would be able to get work doing that, uh-huh. even if it wasn't like, you know all the time having work yeah. it would be enough to sort of get by okay so i kind of felt like it was time to give it a try and i thought if i don't if it doesn't work out then i'll give it a try for five years yeah and if i don't get anywhere then i'll just get another job so and how's it going so far for you then? How's it how's it working out? Is it because you're still you're obviously still doing it? So I'm guessing that things 
things are going relatively well. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, I'm doing a lot of, still doing a lot of education stuff. Yeah. Um, doing comics. I've been doing some for the Phoenix, which is children's comic. Yeah. Um, I did a series there called Shivers, where I drew the art and Daniel Hartwell wrote them. Yeah. And then we're going to start doing something new for them soon as well. So there's things in the works. And also you get kind of random commissions from people to do comics about different kinds of things or illustrations. And recently I had one from the uh, LSC, the London School of Economics, oh, cool. okay. to do a comic strip based on a paper about ethnography. All right, okay. Um, by one of their professors called uh, Al Pashar. So I did this comic about ethnography, what it is and what things happen based on her paper, which was that's kind great. of a fun, interesting that's, thing to do. That's really kind of, that's really, really kind of cool. Is it, um, <clears throat> is it difficult to get your name out there? Or do you, I mean, is it very much word of mouth? Do you get a lot of referrals and recommendations from other people? Or do you find you spend quite a lot of time just putting yourself out there, kind of letting people, you know, sending people, you know, examples in your portfolio and stuff like that? Or have you, you know, have you, have you been, have you been good at kind of like networking? It's kind of a mix of those things. Yeah. Um, I do get a lot of workshops and things by word of mouth mm-hmm. from people and also from uh, my website because I think it's quite, if you type in manga workshops, it's one of the first things that comes up. Wow. So, which is quite good. So people can find me on there. But yeah, I have to do all the, all the things that people don't really like, which is all the kind of, you know, putting yourself out there and yeah. networking and doing all those kind of things. Yeah. Because it, is it quite a competitive industry? I'm ass- it's, I'm, yeah. Yeah, extremely competitive. I mean, I would love to get more work doing comics than I get now. Yeah. Um, but there are people that manage to be working on comics constantly um, doing things. Which is good. Yeah. But yeah, it's very competitive because there's it's one of those industries that there's loads of people that want to work in it. Yeah. And loads of people are really good at making comics. Um, who just you can get passed over for all kinds of reasons like your work doesn't fit the prevailing style of the day or all kinds of things. So yeah, it's pretty competitive. Do you have to be quite adaptive then in how you approach things? I mean, uh, you know, in the portfolio that you've got, you've got several kind of styles on the website that you're showing. Yeah. Do you have to be kind of adapted? Do you have to end up kind of drawing stuff that normally you would kind of like be, well, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling this, but I have to kind of do it in order to, I guess, kind of get the commission or do the job? Or, or do you take a firm stand and say, listen, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not, you know, I don't really, really want to kind of do it. I don't think I get enough work to turn things down because I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I kind of work in different styles because that's just the way that I work. Uh-huh, okay. But some people find that it's better to have a, a recognisable style that everyone knows that's how you approach things and they'll be able to see your previous work and come to you for that style. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then other people work in more of a, 
a way where they'll be able to do anything um, by being versatile. So either of those approaches can work, and I think it's different for everybody that does comics or other sorts of illustration. Because you've got the... Um, you've kind of got... And people are able to put kind of like entire portfolios online through like deviant art and things like that so i mean when i sp- speak to a lot of creators um about their kickstarter and getting their art for their kind of like their their kickstarter campaigns they say well you can go into deviant art and you can request a commission but you usually get you know you usually get hit by hundreds and hundreds of people just saying that they're they're wanting to do kind of like they're wanting to do the design the design of the game for it which is you know, it's it's so it's. I mean, obviously, if you found your found your niche, and if you found you know a place where you can get kind of continual work, then that's then that's kind of um, fantastic. So you don't. Well, that's to... kind of the holy grail, isn't it? Of um. Yeah. Of like freelancers, is there a place where I can get continual work? Because <laughs> if there is, can I have it, please? Because <laughs> um, obviously, the, you go through bare patches. Yeah. Um, where you don't have any work and I think everybody gets that from time to time when you're freelance yeah yeah but up... yeah the holy grail is to have enough work that you just keep working could you go back to doing a job though a job job I mean would it be I mean is it can I mean I take it you, you must be your own I mean you obviously have deadlines to work to and stuff like that but could you imagine yourself kind of going back to the I guess the nine to five job or would is this a bit like oh i don't know um i guess i could uh at the moment i feel like i'd rather not (laughs) but sometimes i have those periods of time where you kind of fantasize about how great it would be to have a regular job yeah i don't know if other self-employed people get that but you kind of sit there and you think actually just imagine if i had a job and even if I was tired and wasn't really paying attention, I'd still get paid. And it's like <laughs> instead I have to just sit here and I think I think it's I don't think there'd be many people that would kinda like argue with you that when people go in and do a job from nine to five that they go in and they go they get it starts at nine and they go, Right, work and then five and then they stop. I think there's kinda like work, stop, work stop so they have little breaks you know yeah that's the thing whereas if you're you're self-employed you've got like something to do yeah and if you don't work on that thing it's not going to get done yeah exactly so you're like kind of constantly thinking about it even if you're not actually doing it exactly and And if you're having a day where you're just thinking you know i can't really think straight i'd rather just do something like you know boring but you can't because you've got something you have to do yeah then if you were on a nine to five job, you could just like sort of, you know, do your sort of half brain thing and someone would still pay you money. <laughs> so you kind of feel like that would be great. But then you think about having a boss and yeah. having to get up early. and Yeah. And then thinking, well, you know, everybody's going, um, you know, they get the hashtag on Twitter saying Monday motivation. <laughs> yeah. And you're like going, uh, well, no, actually, I don't need to worry about Monday because I finished my work on Friday and you know it's not due due until Tuesday so actually today I'm off to the park thank you very much what when does that happen <laughs> in what fantasy world does one have like days off to go to the park do you not have days off to go to the park no at all are you no. constantly constantly working all the time no you're not constantly working like 
it's a mix between working and procrastinating about how much work you have to do when you have done. <laughs> Is this when you Which get... you can't enjoy anything because you're busy worrying about stuff. Is this when you get to the <laughs> point where you put together like a spreadsheet to say, right, okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna be really motivated. I'm gonna put together a things to do list and then I'm gonna I'm going to reference it with a spreadsheet so I know exactly what I should be doing at this time. And then you spend three days putting that spreadsheet together and then having to fit like 56 hours worth of working at five hours. Well, it's funny you should mention that because that's pretty much what I did for the Kickstart campaign. (laughs) Um, I was like, I've got all these things to do and I need a chart so that I know what I have to do in what order I have to do the things. You know, what relies on what. Um, and what I'm going to do is make a Gantt chart, which is like a project management chart. And so I made one. It didn't take like three days, which was good. Two and a half. But then after I looked at it, I was like, holy shit, I have so much to do. Am I allowed to swear on it? No, too late. no you're not. Um, it's too late. Holy poop. I have so much to do. Sorry. Right. So You fucked up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like... I'm glad I made this chart because if I hadn't made it, then I would have just been really overwhelmed by all those things. But I yeah. think having made it at least helped me visualise what things there were to do. Um, so let's, I mean, let's talk about comic turns. Yes. We're like 56 minutes in. <laughs> we haven't spoken. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> we haven't spoken about the game yet. Um, it's kind of um, it's kind of it's a interesting it's an interesting imaginationy type storytelling. Um, very very accessible looking, very elegantly designed type of game. Um, Thank you. And from what I can see, it's about storytelling, and it's interestingly enough, it's about taking frames from a comic strip. And you placing them down into an order in order to produce a story, and there doesn't seem to be any written language on it. It all seems to be visually referenced, so it allows people from. I'd say you could have really young kids playing it because they've got like little pictures. Um, to people that would maybe, who can't even you know English is a second language to them, so you know it can you know it can be quite inclusive and stuff like that as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, the original, um, the original way I had it did have words, and I took them all out because I wanted it to be inclusive to, um, first of all, people who spoke different languages, people who are learning, um, for example, uh, like English as a second language people, yeah. for people with low literacy or learning difficulties or any kind of thing that would make reading and writing kind of make the game less accessible so all the words have been taken out which also means that it's people can use this game in other countries without it needing to be translated as well so, so is is, um, it, is it a game system then because it's ha- a game system yeah because we had um we had um bears on and she's got the the yeah. Wibble Plus Plus game. It's very similar to Bez's game in a way, um, in that it's a it's like a tool of which you can produce many different games using yeah. it. 
Yeah. And I would consider it a game system. Although I got told by Board Game Geek that it didn't count because it had rules in it. Uh, and I was like, even if the rules are optional, and they're like, yeah, it still won't count. So officially on there, it's not a game system. But it is. Um, so the idea is, is there's games included in there that you can play. Yeah. But that you don't have to use those rules. You can... Um, make up your own versions of the game you can make up your own things to do with the cards or you don't have to play with rules at all you can just use it for um, getting inspiration or just exploring the idea of telling stories or even use it for kind of discussion points um, you know with kids um, so they can look at the cards and go well what's that character doing and why and what does that mean um, and let's talk about this thing that's happening here um, so yeah, it's definitely a system more than a game. Because it's, as I say, it's very sim. It's, how sound insulting? It's simplest. It's very simplistic in its design. Yeah. As in, it's um, the inking on it is like blue. It's like blue, blue ink. So there's not multiple colors on it. It's just very simple blue. So it gives. It you know it does remind me of the kind of the manga stuff that I've yeah. seen, <laughs> just because of the because of the colours um, but it, yeah I mean the first thing that struck me is like this it looks interesting because it's one of these open ended things where games without rules or game systems without rules can usually it gives you it opens you up into how you want to interpret how you kind of want to how you kind of want to to play it how did you come up with the idea for the design I mean what made you think right I'm going to I'm going to design myself a card game I'm going to but it's going to be not, it's going to be this, it's going to be based around kind of the ideas of comics as opposed to anything else. Well, the idea originally started um, when I was at the V&A doing my residency and I was doing some research into magic. I wanted to do a story about magic. And one of the things they have there is the print room where they've got a collection of different playing cards. And I went up there and I was looking at sort of playing cards and tarot cards and things, thinking about this idea of um, how you would use magic and things like that. And I was like, oh, wow, playing cards are actually really interesting because you rearrange the orders that they're in. And I think they had things like a, a deck of cards with Bible scenes. And oh, really? I was looking at those and I was like, oh, look, you can make a story if you rearrange these Bible scenes in a bizarre way. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I wonder if you could make a comic that was a deck of cards that you could just rearrange the panels in any order and it would still make a story. Yeah. So you could, you know, infinitely rearrange them. And that was kind of the starting point for making the deck. And then in order to decide on the, the art style, I just decided that I wanted it to be very simple so that you could put multiple interpretations onto the images. So if I do this really simple person um, with a really simple hairstyle, really simple clothes, yeah, in a location that basically has no features, like there's very few kind of environmental features yeah. in the game, it lets the player decide who are these people where are they? What are they doing without you kind of forcing that on them by making them very recognizable? 
Um, and uh, Scott McLeod, who is a comics creator who also does lots of talks and has written several books about how comics work and how to make comics. Yeah. Has this theory, which I subscribe to as well, which is um, the further away from realism a cartoon becomes, the more interpretations you can put onto that. So yeah, it's like yeah. the idea is to make it so simple that you can add as many interpretations into it as you can. Did it take long to kind of, I mean, how many different types of cards are there in, in the game deck? Oh, okay, all together. So there's 52 cards in the deck and they're all different. Oh, right, okay. So it's like 52 unique cards, basically like a pack of playing cards. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> right, then you okay. get one blank one, uh-huh. um, which if you pledge on the Kickstarter at certain levels, then I'll draw you a comic panel on it. All right, but okay. the idea is, is you can use that to draw your own comic panel on or as a kind of a blank tile in like uh, Scrabble or something. Yeah, okay. So you could shuffle it in and you could use that as a kind of... And then in this in this panel, which has nothing on, they've actually gone behind this curtain and some sort of thing has occurred and then they've come out. Ah, right, okay. So it has kind of multiple uses, even the blank tile. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, are you... Have you been playtesting a lot of it then, and 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 have you have you gone to different kind of audiences in order to playtest it? Yeah, so I've um I've tested it a lot with kind of educational scenarios, so in workshops and also with other um kind of comics educators, and I've taken it to show um, teachers and people as well. Yeah. So that's where I've kind of got the main. Um, use out of it so far and before it sort of became a game but then I've Mm -hmm. also tested it with kind of game players so I've been to sort of Playtest UK events and uh, I was at uh, the Games Expo last year doing playtests and trying to test it on anyone who kind of wants to play it if I've got it in my bag and just go, oh, hey, do you fancy a game with this? And then fill in this form. Exactly. Voiced it upon people. (laughs) So I've done quite a lot of playtesting, but I feel that because it's kind of open-ended, you can playtest other sorts of games as well, not just the ones that are in there. Yeah. And then I can add them onto the website um, once they look like a good game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that other people will sort of send in ideas for games as well. Does that, that give you does with. that give you the scope then to add more and more rules to kind of like the website as you go? So that, yeah, that's you know, the idea. Yeah. So that because you end, then yeah sorry um then the game it keeps evolving. You don't just have a game and then you play it a few times and then you think I've done it. You will then have options to play it in different kinds of ways. So mm-hmm. it kind of gives it more longevity. Okay, okay. And have you, I mean, have you thought about kind of more expansions? Have you thought about, is there going to be a second version of the game with different kind of illustrations on it? Have you already thought about that? Or are you going oh, to... absolutely, yeah. Um, everyone everyone I speak to has said that, oh, you could have expansions. Yeah. And I would definitely love to have expansions. Um, it would depend how the Kickstarter goes, obviously. 
Um, but eventually, I'd like to do sort of themed expansions, uh, possibly a version that's more sort of kid friendly, even though this is totally kid friendly. Um, something that's got more kind of scenarios and characters that children can relate to more. Can we do a dinosaur one? Yeah, exactly. So dinosaur one. Uh, you ooh. can have all sorts of things like, you know, sci-fi one, a crime one, fantasy, whatever, Cthulhu, whatever you wanted and just shuffle them in. And then you've got like, you could have huge decks that you can play with. Fish. Mix them up. It's just yeah. like, and you would just sit around just drawing them all day. That would be really cool. I probably would, yeah. So if I <laughs> if I manage to get the first deck, if people like this, yeah, um, and it and it becomes popular, then I'll definitely um, make expansions. Yeah, yeah. What's it been like in yeah. terms of the marketing side of things, as in getting the getting the name out? I mean, obviously, I take it you're you're you 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 used to marketing yourself. Has it been a different approach to try and get people to kind of speak to you, to speak to you about the game and get the word out on the game? Yeah, in a way, it is quite different because um, the games community is a whole different place of a whole different set of people, and yeah, so it's been quite fun to start meeting games people and going to games events, yeah, and talking to people running game shops and things like that because it's in a way it's a lot like the comics people, and that's it's a specific hobby that's perceived to be quite nerdy that people are really into and really passionate about and the community is very friendly so it's like it's like the kind of other side of comics it's like the same except it's just a different thing that people are into which is games did you go to um, a lot of cons when uh, a lot of comic cons when you were are you still going to a lot of comic cons yeah i go to comic cons yeah a lot already booked in for a few this year <laughs> so that when my game funds, I can take it to Comic Cons and uh, yeah, show people. Well, it's a nice little hybrid, isn't it? Because it would fit easily, kind of in both places. You know, you could take it to a Comic Con. You could also take it to a a tabletop event, um, games convention as well. Like you know, it could have kind of cross type of different types of borders. Yeah, absolutely. I think it does kind of cross the borders. So I think there's definitely room to take it to lots of different things and hopefully get it into lots of different places to sell comic shops and game shops and anywhere really and how you how you found the um the community the tabletop community were helping you kind of with the kickstarter and giving you hints and tips and stuff like that if have, have, have you found them helpful at all to yeah they're brilliant they're everyone's really helpful like i'm on the the facebook of the uk tabletop kickstarters yeah yeah and it's just a really nice community. It's like you can post questions, asking for help. People were really, really nice about giving you feedback or helping you with things. Yeah. It's been yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really nice sort of meeting people face-to-face as well. And I've been to a few playtesting events. I went to one at the beginning of January that Bez was running oh, in right, draft, okay. yeah. which was quite cool. And um, everyone's really good about giving you sort of advice and like sort of seriously helping you play test things they yeah. don't just sit there and go oh yeah i played it it was fun like people really get in there and help each other which is really nice and i've also really enjoyed play testing other people's games as well it's just just been really fun 
Has it given you ideas mm-hmm. to do more kind of more types of games? Has it given you ideas to think about, you know, expanding into other stuff or are you just kind of looking at expanding comic turns? I think for the time being I'm probably looking at expanding comic turns. Yeah. Um it seems that making kind of proper tabletop games, as in not like this one, but ones with actual rules. <laughs> seems to be like a really complex kind of thing which is very interesting i'm not sure i could do it yet but i'm definitely interested in kind of observing what people are up to yeah it's a skate i think it's um it turns you into i think kickstarter turns you into somebody that has to really really push yourself outside your comfort zone because if you're if you're a designer that's you might be a designer that's excellent with rules and excellent at design but you might not be the best marketer in the world or you might be really really good at making the noise and you've got the game with you but you're maybe not the best at kind of like the presentation and stuff like that or you have no idea where you're going to get a game manufactured type of thing so I kind of I think it 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 it's almost like you learn a skill set when you're putting on like a kind of a a kickstarter yourself unless you know unless you, unless you've got the unless like you're doing what you're doing which is you're leaning on you know you're finding out information from guys that have run it before and yeah that i mean that's what i found myself with the the uk kickstarter group is they're incredibly helpful and you'll never get somebody you can get somebody asking the question about you know what do i do about barcodes and then six months later, somebody will ask the question, well, what do I do about barcodes? But you'll never get anybody jumping down the throat of that person and saying, well, you should know that because it's been posted before. People are quite happy to jump on again and just say, well, listen, if you do this, if you do that, you can get kind of barcodes kind of that way, which is which is really, really nice. Um, how much how much is Comic Turns going to go for? How much, how much is it going to be to, I guess, um, get herself in the frame? Well, to get a copy, um, yeah. it's ten pounds. That's note. Yes, it's it's cheap and cheerful. So I'm trying to keep all the costs yeah. as low as possible. Not add any sort of fancy pants things onto it. Yeah. Just so that it's cheap. It's going to have free UK delivery from the Kickstarter as well. So that's amazing. A tenner, you get your game. Um, obviously, it's a little bit more if you're international. Yeah. But I want it to be something people can pick up. That even like kids can buy if they got some spare pocket money, that kind of thing. I don't want it to be like a kind of, ooh, look at this fancy thing with all the stuffy <laughs> packaging. I want it to be accessible. Yeah, you want to be something to be transportable as well, you know, and something Absolutely. that people can put, you know, they can have sitting in their in their school bag, their work bag, you know, in their pocket. They can just say, well, here, you know, here's the game. Let's let you know. Let's have a let's have a quick game and let you know, kind of people kind of muck around with it and make it as kind of as easy easily accessible as possible the kickstarter is running from the 7th that's right yeah which i don't know why i'm going the 7th because i know because you've told me and also definitely the 7th seventh. <laughs> so are you pulling an all-nighter on the 6th then <laughs> are you gonna be 
Um, I wasn't planning to. I was planning to get up on the seventh and go, yes, Kickstarter day. <laughs> Do you think button. I need to pull an all night? I, I no, don't no, think I'll be able to cope with that. No, I think that no, no, I think that would be a bad. That wouldn't be a good idea. Then I'd um, run out of energy and not be able to answer people's <laughs> questions or thank them. Just once they pledged. Just put up, a, just put up an image of you like with your head on your desk with a kind of a line of Z's coming. <laughs> coming out yeah a little cartoon yeah oh you have to do all of your kickstarter communications as a little comic strip you realize this <gasps> when you're doing your updates oh i should that's a really good idea i'll do that you have to do that yeah that would be amazing because i've never i would never ever see that before i've never seen people post like an update with uh, just a little kickstarter comic thing I'm actually just... going to write that down now in case I forget. There you go, you know. And if you fund and it just goes through the through the roof, then you know where it's in the checks to. Um, <laughs> hey, that makes us partners. There you go. Hey. hey. Um, but it's the February the seventh, and how long's the campaign running till? Um, it's running until the thirteenth of March. Cool. So five. Weeks. There is a good reason why it's such a weird time length. Um, it's because World Book Week. Falls, ah, right. um, okay. at the first week of March so I won't be... be able to do anything during that week so I'll be out in schools oh, okay. visiting them oh, and right, okay. uh, doing comics workshops I thought you so... were going to be phoning up the library network and saying it's live <laughs> <laughs> I probably should just contact everyone and say it's live shouldn't I really <laughs> Yes. Um, although the marketing bit is the scary bit where you have to contact people and tell them about something you've done and go, I've done this thing. It's cool. <laughs> and it's always terrifying. It's uh, um, it's it's always the um it's the George McFly fear of rejection thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. What happens if they say no, I don't know if I could handle that type of rejection. You know? Yeah, what happens if they if they just blacklist you because <laughs> you were too intimidatingly enthusiastic about your thing? Or... Check, check this out, go away. No, check it out, no, go away. No, check it out, blacklisted. Yeah, well, some people, you do get things where people just spam social media and stuff uh, and you wouldn't want to be that person. I don't know, um, I am sometimes that person. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but you're charming. You get away I'm with it. not at all. I am, you know. I'm, um, thank you very much. Um, oh, I'm blushing. Um, if people want to have listened tonight and they want to find out more about the game or keep in contact with you through the social media, where do you exist on the interweb nets? I have many web haunts. Um, <laughs> first of all. You can go to comicturns.com. Okay. Um, and that is a Tumblr where you can um, submit questions and stuff if you want, but also I'll put up the news when the Kickstarter goes live and any other things that happen will go on there. Okay. Um, I'm on Twitter, which is at Kazmantra. Uh, I'll write it down for you. Yeah. And I also have a Facebook page and my website is just my name.com, which is Karen Rubens. Uh, but I'll give you all that written down so people can just click. Yep. What we'll do is we will make sure that we put everything in the show notes so that we have notes to show, basically. Thank you. Um, thank you for coming on. 
Well, thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. It's been fun. It has. Hopefully, it'll also be fun for people to listen to it as well, not just for us. I so. just like, I just, I, you know, I like fascinating stuff, and the whole comic thing just completely fascinates me, to be perfectly honest. So, it's all very, very cool. Um, if people want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then go to the Googles, type in We're Not Wizards, and you will find us on various places. You will find us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. You will find us on Facebook at We're Not Wizards. You can email us magic we're not wizards yes i'm aware of the irony that's why i picked the email address you can find us on youtube it's youtube.com forward slash c forward slash we're not wizards tabletop podcast um all of the episodes that we post end up on youtube thanks to our wonderful podcast host podbean um you can find us on instagram where we put pictures up as well um you can find us on Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and Podknife and we haven't heard back from Spotify so we're assuming that they've listened to the show and said no but they still haven't told us so we do live in hope with fingers crossed. Um, we You can find us on obviously on the, on the Apple podcasts as well and as we say if you've listened tonight and you've been enth- um, enthralled with what Karen's had to say about uh, comics in general and you should be because it was fantastic then feel free and if you want to hear more about it feel free and drop a subscription to um, our fine podcast if you like us even more and you want to give us a rating or a review that would be absolutely fantastic if you are going to give us a rating or a review remember don't give us 10 stars because that would make us big-headed and don't give us don't give us one because that would make us cry give us five because it's in the middle and it's average and we are decidedly average but the person who's not been average tonight is just the all-round very very interesting comic book person that is Karen Rubin so again thank you very very much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here um there's only two more things to do. In fact, there's three more things to do. We have to do a shout out to um, Steve McGilvery, who has become a Patreon or a patron on our Patreon campaign. We never talk about our Patreon, but people keep on finding it. And he's one of these guys that's found it. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, but the second thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Karen? No, definitely not. Absolutely not. We are um, creating a story, kind of frame by frame, without words, but there's a story kind of going on. Possibly, we don't know where it's going to go, but it's going to be fun, it's going to be enjoyable, and the main thing about it is you'll be able to decide on the rules and how you want to play. And the second thing, and the third thing, finally, is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Karen. Say goodbye, Karen. Goodbye, Karen. <laughs> Without fail, every single time, and it's a goodbye. <laughs> and it's a goodbye. It's a goodbye from the other last person. They said goodbye, Karen, as well. Um, and Sinister. Yeah, exactly. And the um, the second, and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Um, check out comic turns when it comes out. Seventh of February. We will be putting all the links in the show notes so that you can keep a track. Take a look decide if you want to back and it's £10 to get in the door Um, but it looks really really interesting but until the next time 
Goodbye.